Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. And we're back, guys of a certain age. The dreaded episode one three with uh, Art and Jay. Hello, Art. Hello, Robbie. And Jay. Hello, Robbie and Art. There you go. Oh, sorry, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> we rearranged the studio and they've forgotten I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was trying to put a sound wall over there to kind of, kind of, you know, push you off there. But anyway. So how are you guys doing? Doing well. How about you? Well, I'm here. Jay, how are you? I'm I'm delicious. I'm the, the, the delicious. weather. <laughs> I like to use wow. my thesaurus a little. I'm sautéed. <laughs> well, it is getting warm outside, thankfully. Yeah. And in here now. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Somebody needed the heater on in yeah. the podcast studio. <clears throat> it wasn't me. And it wasn't me. I guess who that I was. I was freezing. <laughs> yeah. The teeth chattering was yeah. kind of messing up the sound. Well, on. you know, that would be kind of appropriate for uh, episode 13. That could be kind of a, a sound effect horror type of thing. Right? Let's call it Keith Lucky 13 rather than I, I still prefer Baker's Dozen. I'm, okay, cousin. I'm with you there. I'm I mean, with you there. Who you brought the donuts? You, you two who, are the food guys. Yeah, who brought the the donuts? I Nobody did, donuts. Did not today. No. no. <sighs> okay. But did anybody get the green Krispy Kremes over St. Patrick's Day weekend? We don't have we a Krispy Kreme here. We do not. But it's not. It's not a far drive. It is. It's 25 miles away. You know, we were supposed to get a Krispy Kreme in Starkville, but somebody leaked it was coming, and so Krispy Kreme kiboshed that deal. We need to see if we can get that. Rumor started again in a positive way. In a positive way. Not that we don't have great donuts here already. Just gonna. So are so 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 are you a Shipley's guy? You're a Krispy Kreme dunk guy, a Dunkin' Donut guy. What's what's your donut of choice, guys? Well, in town, gonna be Shipley's. Well, it's the only thing we got. But if you had a choice, oh, you're making me go on the record. I am. I, I Actually, like, on the SD card, we don't record I like, our records. Uh, I, I like them all. Wow. I'm not a big donut guy. You know, I mean, I'll eat them occasionally, but uh, it's not something that I seek out or, or usually eat if they're they're around. But uh, we have Hoover's in West Point, oh yeah, which makes a great donut. And other than that, I'd probably say Shipley's, Hoover's version too. You don't like daylight donuts? I've never been to daylight donuts. It's pretty good. I've, yeah. I've had them all. I stopped, used to work in Aberdeen, and I would stop in West Point mm-hmm. and uh, I've eat heard breakfast. they're good. But again, yeah. I'd rather have you know a biscuit or you know something like that as opposed to a donut well i've been in a weird situation now when i lived across the pond i remember going to uh kuwait and finding a krispy kreme uh unexpectedly so when you when you get into that situation that's your favorite mm-hmm. and then i believe it was uh dubai i ran into a dunkin donuts in one of their ginormous malls and all of a sudden that was my favorite so i i am uh you know, an opportunity donut eater. We were flying back from the Dominican Republic a year ago. We were in the airport in the, in, um, in uh, the capital DR, which I completely forgot what it was. And there was a Dunkin' Donut. And so we partook of, of some Western, you know, that is Western Hemisphere, some first world Western donuts. You know, Art says he's not a big donut guy. I'm a big guy who likes donuts. <laughs> so, you know. That might be a ditto over here. Well, you know, you know, I, I like Shipley's, but they've been inconsistent lately. Dunkin' Donuts has just never been. Uh, I've just never cared a whole lot for Dunkin' Donuts. I like Krispy Kreme, but to me, the best donuts in the world are not at at Hoover's, but at the Mennonite Bakery in Brooksville. 
to me, those are the best donuts in the known universe. Their chocolate icing is phenomenal, and it's a little bit heavier donut. And then I like Tato Nut from Ocean Springs. I've heard of Tato Nuts. They're excellent, too. And I had a, an apple fritter from the Old Country Bakery in Brooksville just the other day, and it was literally heavy. I pulled it out of the bag and it's, almost dropped it. It's dwarf star material. It, yeah. it was it was pretty it was pretty great. Yeah. Have you not had a donut from the, from the Old Country I Bakery? I think I had one there. I, I didn't have a glazed one that day. I had a. You know, it is a shame that you drive past that and you're not partaking because their donuts are great. Their sandwiches are great. So, oh yeah, yeah. So they're they're and that's why I don't stop every time. You know, people ask me all the time, "Why are you not five hundred pounds?" And that is one of the reasons because I don't stop. Oh man, every day. So so you know, one a few years ago, the oldest son and I went to Gainesville to see State play Florida, and uh, um, it was just he and I holed up in a hotel room off the University of Florida campus, and all we had to eat that weekend was either donuts or pizza. That's and it. We had that sounds great. We had three different types of donuts and three different types of pizza. It was amazing. So anyway, all right. Sorry, food detour. We should have made this a donuts episode. <laughs> I could have gone to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Well, man, we are we are, we've come back full circle without a hole. Uh, Geek of the week. Who wants to start? Well, I we can we've been talking about Dunkin' Donuts, and that has actually think, a connection. Excuse me, just, you should have at least gotten a rim shot for that one. I, th- I thought that was, was deserving of a rim shot. Maybe Jake, Desert- could, you add a, did, could you add a rim shot in after that donut joke? Okay, Deserting sorry, of a rim shot. Ooh, never mind, Jake. It's going to be cut. Yeah, that, that, was, that was start just, the episode now. That was just the icing on the pun. Oh, okay. Now we we need to move on. So my thought. This today for the Geek of the Week, you know, we've been talking about Captain Marvel, and in my research, uh, my extensive painstaking research about Captain Marvel, uh, I ran across this, and it also applies because, you know, when you think about it, going back to our original definition of nerd and geek, and I'm thinking about a geek being somebody who just takes something that we, or most people enjoy, and just takes it to another level of enjoyment, so... This guy's name is Michael Breach, and he goes, uh, his handle is at Baristart, so like Barista RT, he's got, I think that's his website as well. And the history is, he's taken, he was just a barista, a good barista, and if you've had a latte with somebody uh, who made a picture, uh, like a leaf or a flower or something like that in your, you know, in the in the milk, um, you've probably seen this, I actually did a, at our local coffee shop 929, we did a, um, I was involved with a contest one of our local coffee shops one of our local coffee shops had a, a contest for their baristas with the best start and i was able to 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 see all that but anyway this guy took it to a new level he was working in a store where i think he was working at night and there just weren't a lot of people ordering coffee at night so he would kind of play around with his designs and apparently was a pretty good cartoon artist before not maybe that wasn't his job but that was he uh his hobby so, but he started making pictures of people like drawing their face in it and handing it to him, uh, things like that. And somehow or another, he's um, he just gained some notoriety doing that. So now he travels. Um, he's he's traveled with Marvel, going to Comic Con. He's done stuff for Disney. He has. Um, I'm trying to think, the uh, he was actually gone overseas, gone to Australia. Some prints in Dubai got a hold of him and and had him come over there. <clears throat> He's been to Joe Jonas's birthday party, all these things. And so if you look on his Instagram, there's just some amazing pictures. And so he uses uh, food coloring and edible glitter, that sort of thing. That's sort of his one rule is that everything he does still be edible or drinkable. So That's pretty neat. 
What's his uh, What's his name again? Uh, his real name or his handle? His handle. His handle is at Barist Art. B A R I spelling. <laughs> wow. Joking over my misspelling there. There he is. B-A-R-I-S-T-A-R-T. I'm doing a follow. So he's got 102,000 followers wow. on Instagram. Pretty much does this for a living now. Um, travels and, and draws pictures in foam. And then he says it doesn't bother him that people drink it. He said that's just part of it. So. Yeah. Just, so uh, it's truly a limited edition. Uh, in a, in every kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that but was cool. But it's biodegradable. That's true. And, and another thing, he, he um, in one of the articles I read, uh, interview, he had done an Amy Schumer. Uh, she did these little shorts on Comedy Central, I guess. And so she's the, the short, the story is she walks up every day to this latte place and the guy's like, first it's a leaf, then it's a flower. And then all of a sudden it gets more detailed and more detailed. Uh, and he's actually the guy behind the scenes drawing all this, even though he's not in the video per se. So pretty, pretty Pretty good diversity of, of work. Good, that's really so cool. So he's the Millie Vanilli of uh, barista art. <laughs> girl, no, he's you actually foam doing it. his thing. Well, right? Right? Yeah, he's, yeah. Not, he's the guy behind Millie, Millie Vanilli. Girl, you know you foam it's true. We have got to uh, the pun <laughs> calm him down. Yeah, <laughs> blame it on the espresso. You remember oh, that? Oh boy, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Wow. Okay, let's move on to art. I guess. <laughs> I think we've discovered the geek of the week. Uh, Anyway, uh, not sure when this will will launch or whatever, but it's uh, coming up is May, it's March thirtieth. I should know that it's my wife's birthday, but it's also the eightieth anniversary of Batman's first publication. Oh, also so my mother's a lot birthday. Of, to win? Also my mother's birthday. Oh, okay. Wow. Wait. No. No. <laughs> wow. Jay, Jay, I'm your father. <laughs> Okay, last time I laughed like that, I passed out, so let's let's settle it down. OBJ. Okay. 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 So anyway, that's pretty much it. March 30th, 1939, (laughs) Batman comics debuted, and of course the rest is history. And it's not an event, I remember, you know, alluding to our coming up, our topic that's coming up. But uh, yeah, it's coming up March 30th, uh, Batman's 80th, the 80th anniversary of his publication. So that's an exciting time. There's a lot of, um, if you've seen on the different geek sites and comic book sites, not that those are mutually exclusive, uh, a lot of things are going on, variant comic books being published and uh, things to celebrate, bringing in old artists and uh, and they're doing covers and so interior artwork as, as well. 80 years old? Huh? Old artist as in 80 well, years old. There's, there's Neil they, Adams, yeah. you know. So, yeah. but uh, sorry, Neil, if you're listening. I don't think you are, but. Uh, so, was it Detective Comics? Is Detective that... Comics number 29, I believe, is what the number was. Wow. Wow. And Batman was created by. Uh, Bob Kane is the one that gets credit for it. And of course, now uh, Bill Finger is being rightly. Uh, uh, credited alongside Bob Kane as uh, for people that know the history, we won't get into it here. But uh, uh, Bill Finger is the one that brought a lot of what we recognize as uh, the Batman Batman uh, mythos to life, including uh, the costume, uh, most of the villains in the Rogue Gallery, and uh, a lot of other things too. So uh, there's a great documentary on one of the streaming channels called Batman and Bill which huh. is about the story of Bill Finger, and I encourage you to seek that out and watch that. That's very interesting. I, I need to uh, I need to watch that. So, yeah, it's very good. I, and I believe, like, his family, his descendants, are now getting royalties, or are there some back royalties there? I would imagine so. I'm not sure what's going on with that. I think, you know, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, you know, that case proved that it, if they can keep royalties away from 
any creators or family members, they'll they'll do that. But uh, yeah, I think they're they're getting something. And I, I'm trying to remember what the first it w- may have been one of the uh, Christopher Nolan Batman movies that actually had uh, Batman created uh, by Bob Kane and Bill Finger was the first credit that uh, that had that on there. And for those who are playing along at home, those two are the creator that uh, Simon and Simon and um, Schuster, so, uh, Gary yeah. Siegel and uh, Siegel. Joe Schuster are the creators Schuster. of Superman. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm there for you, Jay. I'm there for you. Wow. So, uh, 80 years, man. Can you believe it? How many issues has Batman appeared in, I wonder? Good grief. How many does he appear in a month now? I mean, it was just kind of the cash cow for, has been for a while. Yeah. More so than Superman. I mean, I think he's eclipsed. uh, Superman was always the big guy there for a while. I think Batman comics are probably, uh, or at least were more popular than Superman for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, my geek of the week is, uh, I think, app for us because uh, it's about something old that went away that really no one noticed. So, um, uh, did you guys ever have a MySpace account? I thought it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may may have one, or are you about to tell me I, I have had one? I don't. Did you have a MySpace? I account? had a MySpace account at one time, and I don't know that I did anything with it. I saw that. I think I know what you're alluding to. Don't so. steal I'm my not stealing geek. It. I'm stealing it, thief. I'm, yeah. So uh, apparently, MySpace lost 12 years worth of music, and no one has noticed until oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> so, I actually got a text and I, uh, I noticed yesterday that of a group I'm involved in that has a lot of a video. Of, uh, oral history kind of stuff and they were concerned about losing some of it i wonder if that is so, the same thing so if uh myspace has lost most or maybe all of their music files uploaded by users prior to 2015 well, and they blamed it on a server migration issue uh and uh, so yeah there were obviously no backups they didn't have enough floppy drives to uh to back up the database and i could have helped with so, yeah, I could have too, could or, have donated or or zip or zip disk or jazz disk, and so it's it's all gone, and you know, no way to recover the data. Wow. And, it, and apparently, what's what's pretty funny about this is uh, uh, it was pointed out in early 2018, and no one's really paid attention till now. So, Ars Technica wow. ran a ran a story on it yesterday, and I'm like. Wow. You know, it's, it's that thing that, um, so if a tree falls in the forest, does anyone hear it? If MySpace loses files, does anyone really lose anything? Right. So apparently the re- recording of it. that tree falling is, is now gone too. <laughs> yeah, so. that's right. That's right. Uh, MySpace was very popular with bands for a while. It that's was. where you went to and, and you'd loaded your, your album up if you wanted to donate it. So, uh, I mean, donate it. If you wanted to have it found online, you usually had a MySpace account associated with that. I don't think I ever had one. Ever. I think I only had it so I could listen to friends who had posted I think things. that's why I had it, too, maybe to uh, to be able to visit some other people's sites. There were no poetry readings on my MySpace account. <laughs> or Why not? Rolls. Really? <laughs> well, anyway. We'll do a poetry episode someday. Yeah, we could do that. That'd be fun. I've got some stuff I can dig out. Okay. I've actually been published. Okay. Yeah. I'm, that's impressive. Yeah, I've been published. I'm special. Right? Right? As far as you know. Yeah. Oh, man. And so our Geek of the Week was brought to you by no one. Absolutely no, no one. one. So, all right. Three We're good ones. anyway. So, uh, all right. On to uh, the second half of the show, which I've already forgotten what it's about. So, somebody take me home. 
We were going to talk about events, uh, particularly news events, maybe some of the first that we remembered. Uh, Jay, I, You're it's right. kind of your idea if you want to. Well, actually, I think it was kind of Robbie's idea. but uh, Yeah, now you, I remember. Now you remember? You're yeah. talking about because in the, in the age of instant news. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. You okay. know, where we can see it all day long. It pops up on our phones all day long. Uh, back in the day when you actually had to see it on TV on the five o'clock news or whatever, what were the events that or jumped out at you? Even more so to make it even if more it was special was special, a, a special reports. report, you right, know, breaking, right, news. breaking in, you know, in, in prior to uh, Ted Turner starting CNN in what, 1980, 81, when did CNN crank That out? sounds about right. Yeah. You know, so the only way that you got news was, uh, through a newspaper and, uh, or network news. Right. You were talking Walter Cronkite, uh, I don't remember who was David on. Brinkley. Brinkley was on NBC. Uh-huh. And, uh, broke off eventually. Yeah. But, but Cronkite Brinkley, who did ABC have prior to, well, before Peter Jennings, they had a rotating anchor. Uh, Dan Rather. Dan Rather was, was CBS. Was he was CBS. a reporter for, you know, um, you had Huntley Brinkley on NBC and you had, uh, Harry Reasoner. Is that right? Could Harry? be. Yeah. yeah. He was there. Yeah. Somewhere. That's not, I don't, I, I, I can't remember sure who that was. Yeah. So, but, you know. And then Barbara Walters made history when she was hired in as one of the first female news anchors, you know, and brought in at millions of dollars or, you know, whatever it was. And uh, that was, you know, kind of broke that glass ceiling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Baba Wawa. Yep. Baba Wawa. <laughs> So, but, uh, you know, we were, we were going back and forth one night, the three of us about, you know, what's your earliest memory? And, and, and to me, from a new standpoint, the earliest thing I remember, uh, was the Iranian hostage crisis and then the resolution on the day Reagan was inaugurated. Reagan office, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the hostages were released. And so that was kind of the galvanizing event for me. Of okay, there's there's a current world event that impacts us all, and we're getting it, you know, the information on the daily news, and uh, and of course the Iranian hostage crisis led to the creation of what late night news show? Do you guys know this? Uh, it's the one with Ted Koppel. Nightline. Yeah. Nightline came out of the Iranian hostage crisis mm-hmm. because what they would do is they recap uh, everything late that night, and it turned into Nightline. Right. Okay. So, which was a uh, you know. Great. I think Nightline's still going, but it's a half an hour or an hour later than what it used to be. It was a 1030 show there forever. So I guess it comes on after Kimmel. Yeah, they moved Kimmel into that slot to try to generate more revenue to go up against uh, tonight's show in uh, Letterman. um, Right. Okay. You know, prior to the Colbert show. But the Iranian crosses. Crosses. Wow. Croissant? Crosses. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying it, to take it back around to pastries. That's right. That's right. The Iranian hostage crisis was the first thing that I remembered. Um, and I vaguely remember the first shuttle launching, but when I paid attention to TV news, it was the uh, hostage crisis. What about you guys? Well, my first one is the moon landing. And I was uh, the, uh, the first moon landing in 69. Uh, it was uh, July 20th, 1969, which was three days before my... Uh, seventh birthday. So, uh, I have a memory of watching the landing. I don't know if it's something that has now become, you know, uh, after having seen the footage so many times, it's something that I've kind of I've created in my head, but I'm sure we watched it. Um, and then, uh, the kind of the geek tie in for this for me is that, um, 
we had a moon landing themed birthday party for me for my seventh birthday. And Major Matt Mason played uh, a heavy, a big part in that. That was a, an action figure. Robbie, I don't know if you're familiar with those at all, but uh, are you Jay at all? That name didn't ring a bell, but I, I have. Major I Matt Mason some. was a huge toy in the, in the sixties tied into the whole space program. And, uh, he was uh, like a six-inch character, but had this great uh, moon landing and uh, space uh, equipment that came with him. And uh, there were uh, several different members of the team and then aliens and things you could get as well. So uh, Tom Hanks wanted to do a Major Matt Mason movie years ago. I think that's probably, I think he did po- Apollo 13 instead. So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, was a, that was kind of the geek tie-in for the moon landing for me. So even at that point, I started going, yeah, the history's cool, but look at all these toys that you uh, can be inspired by. But yeah, that's always been a, a real important uh, thing to me. Is the And we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of that this year. Mm. So uh, I think it's uh, uh, something that uh, stuck with me f- for a lot of reasons. And I, actually, that was my, my first one too. Now, I was only, I was about a month away from being two years old. So the I feel like, some of what you're describing may have been the same that after seeing it over and over, over the years that maybe I've put some images into my memory, but even at two, I, I remember where we lived and, and that night just flashes. Um, but my connection to it was cause my dad used to work for NASA. Oh yeah. So just two years before I was born in Houston, he was working there at the Houston center um, in guidance and control. He's a mathematician and, you know, ask him today what he did and, my mom, you know, he, he did math. He helped with uh, whatever. But there was no particular connection. Um, they said he worked with all kinds of different projects, and so it wasn't necessarily Apollo this or Apollo that. But, um, you know, who knows? He might have been involved in some calculation uh, in the earlier years before they made the moon landing. So that that was my connection That's to it. That's very cool. Uh, did whether or not with, I really remembered or not. Did he work with Starbuck as well? Starbuck. I did. Uh, I'm sorry. That's a Battlestar right Galactica. Yeah. That's a Battlestar Galactica oh. joke. Apollo uh, no. and Starbucks. Sorry. Well, speaking of the moon landing, uh, Apollo 11, uh, the documentary that's that's come out. Are you guys familiar with it? Yeah, I've seen yeah. that. Yeah. Have you seen it? I mean, I have not has seen. It, has the it movie been put out, out yet? Because yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, I believe it's out. I believe it's out. So they took a, a bunch of discovered footage that NASA had. I think it was some 16 millimeter film. They did a, uh, they did a, re- they scanned it to to 4K, I believe, resolution, colored it, and there's no narration. It's basically kind of in real time as it happens, and uh, so it takes you through the, uh, the the launch and the landing. So. Just a little tidbit about that. Just, uh, I hope I don't get myself or anybody else in trouble. But a friend of our family who also worked at NASA and then for years and then moved on into the private, you know, aerospace industry, he saw the movie just a couple of days ago. I think at South by Southwest, and he was saying that it was one of the best documentaries he'd seen about Apollo Eleven. However, some of the he said some of the things were a little bit out of sequence, but but it wouldn't matter to the you know to the average viewer. But he he, he gave it high marks, and that's somebody who was there. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it premiered at uh, Sundance uh, a few weeks back. So, okay. So, it yeah. Um, may not be in wide release yet. No, I don't think it has. It uh, it got a jury award Sundance for Sundance for editing. Um, but, yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to see it in IMAX. I'd love to see it in IMAX. Ooh. Field trip. Yeah. yeah. A certain age field trip. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that- I got to see First Man in IMAX, and that was that was a great movie. So there was a uh, there was a IMAX movie a few years ago about the moons of Jupiter or Saturn I can't remember and uh, so a colleague of mine one of the listservs I'm part of 
put out a, a call and said, hey, we need we need folks with really beefy computers to crunch a couple of animation frames of, of this movie. So they sent me, I said, Hey, I'll do it. So they sent me the files and whatnot. And I think I rendered out like nine frames and each of these frames took literally 10 hours to render. Wow. And so, uh, I never got to see an IMAX. I had, uh, I had free tickets to go see it in IMAX. I think Birmingham was the closest place. Uh, but I would love to have seen that in IMAX. We, do we have an IMAX in the state here? Is there one in Jackson? I don't know. I don't I mean, think so. I mean, we've always gone over to Alabama. You yeah. Know, uh, like I said, Birmingham for uh, the closest. Isn't that the closest one? Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah. I, I think there's an IMAX-capable projector at the Planetarium in Jackson, but they don't show a mm-hmm. lot of IMAX uh, popular movies. Mm-hmm. So, But anyway, yeah. It would be great to see that in uh, see that in IMAX. So, um, I don't think I'm going to point out my age was what my age was when the moon landing happened. Only if you had any control over it. Yeah, I'm trying not to. Did I'm you try not to? No, but, I mean, did you have any control over your birth? No, no, okay. no, at all. Yeah, <laughs> then it's not something you can brag about. Yeah, I guess not. I guess not. So, and uh, actually, and I've said this before, and uh, you know, I certainly wouldn't give up being anything. Uh, be any younger to have missed out on that because that was a, a, an amazing experience. I, I think. To, it, were you even alive? You were alive. There were you, for some of the moon missions. I was they born in, in May seven, of seventy. So yeah, so a couple of years of, of yeah, moon but missions. I don't remember anything. No, and, yeah, and I was just and I, I was a space junkie yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, you would you would have really appreciated. Absolutely, it. absolutely would have. Um, yeah, I remember. I, I do remember the first shuttle launch, mm-hmm. and then I vividly remember Challenger yeah, exploding. I know exactly that's what we, where I was. Well, I was what, at home. We had talked about doing two other ones, and I wondered if anybody had that as their or we oh, actually, for, the, for one of their second or thirds. Is I didn't have it on my list, but I remember I, where I you know I was in the student union at Ole Miss when when it started showing on TV. Yeah. I, I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, I can't remember if I brought it up on the show or not. It the the Challenger explosion really hit close to us at Marine High School because my physics professor, well, my professor teacher, uh, Danny Alexander, was one of the last 10 finalists for Krista McCullough's spot. Yeah, right. I remember that. And uh, so he did, he did, he went to space camp for training and all that. So that was, uh, yeah, yeah. that was, was, I mean, I I was working in Memphis and and meeting a guy for lunch and uh, got there and we just you know, sit there and watch the screen and just couldn't believe what had happened. I, I'd wanted to go into aerospace engineering prior to that. And that did, that was a life pivot for me. Really? I guess I was almost 16 when that happened. So, um, but yeah, that's one of the, that's one of the events. What else have you guys got on your list? I have one that, and this is kind of a personal thing, and it's when I was 10 years old. So it's when I really remember us kind of watching the news. The news was always on, but I remember this being a kind of a, um, a time we watched and it was operation homecoming it was as you uh see the vietnam vets the prisoner of war uh vets that were being released and they that happened over a period of time from february to april uh 72 to 73 mm. and uh on march 14th which is 46 it'll be 46 years ago now uh 1973 john mccain was released and my father had served with uh john mccain when they were both at meridian uh naval air station there uh in the 60s and we're watching, and I, I don't know if we were watching because we knew ahead of time. And again, this may be one of those things that we saw it later, not actually watching the day of. But, you know, my mom's watching, and then she goes, 
oh my gosh, there's John McCain. Mm. And, you know, we knew it had been released or they knew it had been released, but still to see him was uh, shocking. It was something that just kind of registered with me that, that, that made what was going on over in Vietnam and those people all of a sudden had a personal, you know, mm-hmm. attachment. Not that I ever met John McCain or, 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 you know, that my folks were even, you know, that close to him, but uh, certainly had served with him and been to uh, functions with, uh, with him before and, and, and had that. And I'll just go ahead and do my third one, if y'all don't mind, but uh, John Lennon's assassination in December 1980, that's one of those that is probably the first one where I, you know, went, okay, I know exactly where I was because I, I was at Ole Miss. I had just failed my algebra test. <laughs> I had a cold or the flu or something, so I'd taken medicine, was going up to bed, and uh, my roommate, a good friend of mine, came in, had been watching Monday Night Football, and said, Howard Cosell said, John Lennon, you know, your hero, John Lennon, uh, one of your heroes just uh, was killed. And so we got up and watched the story after that. And uh, the next day, a, a guy that would become a good friend of mine and a, a roommate as well uh, got on and eulogized him at supper. So I knew this guy would be somebody I would like to hang out with. But, um, yeah, that was one of those, being the Beatle fan that I was uh, and still am, uh, was just something that really, really struck me. And I know it's not – there are bigger world events that have happened in all of our lives since then – but uh, it's something that, again, these were kind of more personal items than, uh, than necessarily uh, items that, that shook the world, although I think it could be argued that, that uh, his assassination certainly affected a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What about you, Jay? Well, I, I have another uh, uh, musical artist. Remember, I remember when Elvis died. Um, we were at Dauphin Island, Alabama, in the, in the Holiday Inn when it was before it was blown away by Hurricane something or another. And it uh, looks like it was... August 16th, 1977, so we're just a few weeks away or a week away from my 10th birthday. And my mother, huge Elvis fan, um, saw him in Tupelo when he did a Tupelo concert, has dust from his driveway, or dust from his Cadillac and rocks from his driveway that we still have. Uh, Probably has some uh, 45s that are worth quite a bit. But in any case, we were in the hotel, my brother and I were, in the room, I don't know where my folks had gone. Uh, in those days, you could you could leave; it probably didn't matter. Yeah, but they had left the room for some reason. And when they came back, I said, "Mama, Elvis died," and she didn't believe me. She it was just it was complete unbelief. So she had to wait until it came back uh, before she would believe my story. But wow. uh, that that whole event, you know, with all that that came with it, sticks out very yeah, strongly. I remember that well too. You know, one of the uh, one of the TV news events much later than what we're talking about in our lives, but still kind of resonates with me was the uh, uh, Gulf War One, and that was really the first televised war. And uh, you know, and that's kind of where CNN kind of grew up a little bit there. So, and uh, I, I just I'll never forget we were in. It was a Wednesday night class. I believe it was a Wednesday night class I was in at Meridian Community College, and we started bombing uh, Kuwait, not Kuwait, by uh, but Iraq. Well, I guess it, we were invading Kuwait, and uh, it was just kind of eerie you, to get the war that up close and instantaneously as we were doing because, you know, Vietnam was a tape delay war. Yeah, it's called the living room war a lot of times because, you know, the regular broadcast brought, like you said, tapes of it. But to your point, yeah, those were real time. I can remember. Absolutely. I can remember watching, you know, wee hours of the morning to see what's going on, and and uh, you know the reporters that became kind of legendary at the time because they were embedded journalists. Yeah, Arthur Kent, the oh, sure. Scud Stud, the Scud Stud. Yeah, uh, you know, sitting there and watching this, and it's happening in real time, and that was an incredible, an incredible thing uh, 
to to see and you know a terrifying thing i think uh, it was to terrifying realize to what's going on i was draftable age prime draftable age at that point and when when that war started when yeah i guess i was too i remember having discussions yeah. with roommates about you know what if you yeah know, what if we were drafted yeah it uh, it's crazy now now you get your alerts via twitter you get it usually through a phone it's where you get most of your news at least i do um and it's just it's a whole different dynamic. Yeah, I think that's you're you're exactly right about that. That's uh, we don't, despite what they'd like for us to think, we don't tune in to CNN. Uh, you know, or a lot of us don't. I don't think to get our news. Or if we if we do, we do it after we found out about a story, and yeah. then we want to see uh, right, see what's right. going on with it. Get the analysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, you, you the unending analysis. That's that's <laughs> correct. Unending. Yeah. Yeah. At, at, at one point, CNN was the gatekeeper, mm-hmm. uh, and and then the network news they were the gatekeeper. They were the conduit. And now, I mean, it's pretty unfiltered. Yeah. And and then you end up not always getting the most accurate. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the reason a lot of people still prefer to go back to something that's kind of like the AP wire. Mm-hmm. You know, find a source that doesn't necessarily give you opinions, but gives you as close to just facts that you can get and form your own opinions of it. I don't I don't think that's true for everyone, but that's that's the way I like to look at things now, yeah. just because you you know you hear so much of a slant one way or the other, depending on what station uh, channel you're watching. But um, uh, yeah, it's a uh, the news cycle is definitely 24 hours, seven days a week, and sometimes more. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's hard to keep up with. All right, guys. Well, that's another episode in the book. Any final last words of wisdom from you uh, elders in the room? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I have, a, I have a, uh, a, not a viewer, uh, a listener question I like to toss out there because everybody knows my food interests. So as we have talked about, this is going Back full circle, I won't repeat your donut joke, but uh, back circle to the uh, the latte art and that sort of thing is when you look at superheroes, when you look at movies or comic books or whatever your favorite uh, genre is, what do superheroes eat? And we all remember the first Avengers movie, I believe, where at the end credits they go, they're all sitting around a shawarma shop eating shawarma. Uh, in the most recent Captain Marvel, she puts her hand on a tea kettle to heat up the water for tea, or actually she's just showing off. But Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, right, um, I think we if we haven't been spoiled it by now. <laughs> but our email address is guysofacertainage at gmail.com, and if you have any specific stories about what you've seen superheroes eat, I would love to see them. Maybe we use that your answers on a upcoming episode or um, you can also hit the facebook page as well like it while you're there leave us a uh, you can message us uh tell you what jay why don't you put up a uh, you should put up a a question on the facebook page that's a great idea yeah there you go yeah i'm, I'm so bright my mama calls me son so <laughs> and i'll just say please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast if you can write us a review or give us a star rating we'd appreciate that that's and then right. in closing, I'll also say, five star. and that's five the way star. it was, March 19th, 2019. Anybody know who that is? That's a really good Walter Cronkite. Thank you, Robbie. Yeah. It's like we didn't have that planned or anything. We really didn't. <laughs> we really didn't. So, All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you later.